As an inspirational speaker, I'm not necessarily focused on one particular issue, but really showing people the art of what's possible and uh, overcoming adversity in everyday life and how we can all live uh, much more productive lives if we want to. Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Grace for Impact. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Mike Flynn. And if you're just joining us, I interview entrepreneurs and leaders and game changers who are using their platform to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. Each guest is part of a series such as Leadership, Mindset, Getting Started, and now a three-part series on courage. If you've listened to my show in the past or for any length of time, you've probably picked up on how important the meaning of words are to me. In fact, Evan Carmichael talked about specifically finding your one word. Well, my one word is impact, and tied into that word is another word, courage. Courage literally means heart. And to encourage someone literally means to add to the heart. Well, today we kick off the Courage series, which will feature three courageous individuals who not only volunteered to serve our country and experienced life-altering injuries during combat, but who also now take their message of serving others, overcoming adversity, and living life to your fullest potential to audiences worldwide. The first guest in this series is Justin Constantine. Justin is a former Marine and attorney and is now an inspirational speaker and leadership consultant. As a Marine officer, Justin volunteered for deployment to Iraq in 2006 and served as a civil affairs team leader while attached to an infantry battalion. While on a routine combat patrol, Justin was shot in the head by a sniper. Although the original prognosis was that he had been killed in action, Justin survived. Through teamwork and a positive mental attitude, he has had an incredibly successful recovery. Justin now speaks to audiences large and small about personal leadership, the critical role of teamwork in facing life's challenges, the upside of change, and now courage. He applies his incredible story of overcoming adversity to every level of an organization and all audiences to move beyond the challenges they are facing in their own lives. He recently completed his first book, which is called My Battlefield, Your Office, Leadership Lessons from the Front Lines. His writing on military and leadership issues has been featured in such outlets as CNN, Time Magazine, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, Forbes Magazine, and USA Today. Justin is a presidential leadership scholar and a fellow with the Truman National Security Project. He is an expert in overcoming adversity, leadership, and veteran employment. Don't be a podcast junkie. Bust out your pen and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Justin, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am 
excited to have you. I, I've just been looking forward to this conversation so much. And as I was sharing with you, you're going to be part of uh, my series on courage. And I, I'm just really honored to have you. No, thanks, Mike. I'm really excited to be part of this, too. And I really appreciate you including me in your courage series. Absolutely. So as we were talking, I kick things off with the same question every time. However, I'm, I'm modifying it this time. And, and the question is about superpowers, but it's if you could pick any of the skills that you currently possess and turn them into a superpower, what would it be? I think mine will be around communication. And I, I feel like I'm a good communicator. I mean, I speak for a living, but I'm talking more about personal communication. And since going to a training program on being a coach, I've learned a lot about listening to people and not thinking about what your next question is going to be. So I, I, feel, I feel that I'm a good communicator. But if I could really pump up something, it would be that where... I spend more time being in the moment, listening to people, connecting with people, and figuring out ways I can help other people. The art of listening is is such a, a challenge for everybody, I think. And, you know, I always find, especially uh, it, when I'm doing these interviews, that I, I really am, I battle in my mind between trying to be fully engaged in what your response to my question might be but also thinking about, okay, where, where are we going to go with this? And so what tips or hacks or tricks do you use so you can kind of shut off your mind and really truly listen to the person that you're in conversation with? Well, you're right. That is a challenge, uh, especially anytime you're outside of a casual conversation where you're just talking about whatever the heck it is you and your friend are, want to talk about. I'm trying to focus now on the emotion in people's voices and what words what words they're using and how they feel about that topic. And so I'm I'm trying to really move away from as you described, thinking about the next question or where this is going, but really try to key in on how people feel about this topic and then go with that. For instance, if they're if they're you know, saying, oh, man, what a horrible day. Um, it's raining. And maybe we'll, maybe I would say, yeah, it's raining, but uh, it hasn't rained here in a month. So um, is it really that bad of a day? And, and then they'll say either, you're right, everything actually things are pretty good, or they'll say, no, it sucks. And then it's like, okay, wow, there are some other things bothering my friend here. And then we can I can ask a couple open-ended questions about, you know, what is going on with you or, or, you know, what's different than yesterday or what, what would you like to see tomorrow or something along those lines, which may sound a little bit corny, but I just don't think we have enough of those conversations in daily life. Absolutely. I think that uh, that's really powerful counsel there. You know, mentorship is something, coaching, mentorship, it's something that's really important to me. It's it's something that uh, I, I have a, a lot of different coaches in my my life. Who has been the most influential mentor or coach in your life? Hmm. Um, I I've tried to emulate what I like about different people, and especially in the military, but in, in life since then, um, and then not do what I know this is a, what I think is a bad practice is by individuals. But 
I have to say, I've had, uh, in the last few years, I've had so many conversations with my wife about, uh, my wife's a proud Berkeley grad, so she's been into this way longer than I have, <laughs> but about emotions and leading really productive lives and caring about others. So I've had a lot of conversations with her about just my business or how I, how we can donate more to charity or help others as as I'm growing my business or whatever she's doing. So even though she's not a mentor by any means, I would I would put her as a person who I've learned the most um, in the last couple of years on stuff that has now taken a much more prominent role in my mind, which is uh, being a resource to others who haven't been so lucky or fortunate and finding ways to accomplish what I want to, but also take care of others along the way. I really hope that she listens to this show uh, when, when, <laughs> the, when it airs, because what an awesome way to honor her. Well, yeah, thank you. And, yeah, you're you're right because I, I bet um, I've never said that to her. So <laughs> you know, so I, I probably should have her play it and listen to her. I should just tell her after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you should, yeah, you should, you should call her up and tell her, and then uh, and then also have her listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll Downloads, baby. <laughs> there you go. So you have an incredibly inspirational story. You refer your, to yourself not as a motivational speaker, but as an inspirational speaker, and there's no doubt that. That is true. Can you take us back to the moment that launched you on this path? Sure. And, and you bring up a good distinction between inspirational and motivational. And I, in my mind, the difference is in, in a motivational seeker is someone who's trying to, by, by definition, motivate you to do something, a specific task or a project or some goal. As an inspirational seeker, I'm not necessarily focused on one particular issue, but really showing people the art of what's possible and uh, overcoming adversity in everyday life and how we can all live uh, much more productive lives if we want to. And so um, the reason I'm even in this position is from my service in the Marine Corps, and uh, it was actually 10 years ago, a few days ago, October 18, 2006, when I was injured in Iraq. Uh, as as a background to that, I was a Marine lawyer by by trade, but uh, after I left active duty, I joined the reserves, and I volunteered to deploy with the reserve unit in Washington, D.C., and we were doing civil affairs, which is helping rebuild destroyed infrastructure projects to win over the hearts and minds and really try to engage the local population in economic um, projects. And so my team and I deployed to Iraq in the fall of 2006. We were headquartered in Fallujah in Iraq, but my team was attached to a Marine Infantry Battalion from Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, out in a town called Habania, which was between Fallujah and Ramadi, which are two major towns there. They've been in the news a lot recently as well with ISIS. And so our, our, our mission was simply to try to connect with the local Iraqi leadership to get going on these projects. Because at that time in 2006, it was a very kinetic time. Uh, the uncertainty was at its highest level. It was right before the surge in 07. Uh, and so there were a lot of young men who were sitting around unemployed with too much time on their hands. And so we were trying to inject money in the local economy by 
coming up with projects to help rebuild their towns, like just paving roads or school building schools or uh, water purification plants or trying to get electricity to work more than four hours a day or whatever it was. Um, and so we were trying to change the way they viewed the American forces there as well. And so I worked closely with a battalion commander. He and I knew each other from playing Marine Corps rugby together. So we got along great. And I went out with him and his small team a lot out across the wire, out into contested territory, because he always wanted to check on his Marines out there and make sure they were doing well. And he, he was a Marine's Marine. And so we were together on a, on a series of patrols on October 18 of 2006. And during our third stop of that day, we were uh, walking near, we walked away from the Humvee, our, the squad walked away, and we knew there was a sniper in the area because he had actually already killed a few of our Marines in the preceding two weeks in that area. We had counter-sniper teams out looking for him, but um, we hadn't caught him. And that day he shot me in the head uh, behind my left ear and the bullet exploded out of my mouth, causing incredible damage. And so it was a catastrophic injury, the corpsman originally thought I was dead when he rolled me over. I was not breathing, but he was an incredible young man, 25 years old at the time, saved my life with rescue breathing and cutting open my throat and performing an emergency tracheotomy, even though he had never done that on human, even though the sniper was still shooting. In fact, shot the sniper behind me as well. And so he's an incredible hero. And so I had a very, very fortunate recovery. And um, here I am 10 years later. It's an amazing, amazing story, and we're going to dive into the kind of awakening that you had after that event. And I'm just curious, I was thinking about this this morning, do you recall the thoughts you were having about life or potential or human performance in the minutes or hours before that moment? I don't. I remember that morning, Mike. I remember because uh, we made a couple of stops along the way at a police station and uh, another outpost of ours. And I remember that. I don't remember leading up. Uh, I don't remember when I was shot, although I never lost consciousness. Uh, Corman said that, um, well, I guess I lost consciousness for a small bit. But when he revived me, I was trying to fight him off because I thought he was the enemy. Um, he could tell when, when we were racing to the aid station, only one eye worked, but he could tell I understood what he was saying um, by the reaction from my eye. And then when they carried me into the aid station, it was one of those classic where I had my arms over both their shoulders. And then, so I was still cognizant of what was going on around me. I don't remember any of it now because I was in shock. The, we had a reporter with us that day, and he told me later that, we got out of the Humvee and he was near us. And I, I guess I had noticed earlier in the day he was standing very still, which is a terrible idea of a sniper maybe targeting you. And I said to him, hey, Jay, you move quicker here. Don't forget about that sniper. We don't want something to happen. And he said that based on that, he immediately took a big step forward. And a split second later, a bullet came in right where his head had been and hit the wall between us. The next round before I could react hit me behind my, my ear. So... I, I don't remember it, but I know at the time, even right up to when I was injured, I and the other Marines were very aware, situationally aware of, of the environment we were in, and, and we were very aware that that sniper was out there somewhere. 
Amazing. Amazing. You know, um, were you, a an op always an optimist or, or, or were you a pessimist before this? Uh, uh uh, now I'm, I'm very optimistic and see the world in a completely different way. I would say, though, at the time I was still optimistic, more like on a plodding through life, just kind of doing the next thing that happens to fall in my lap, not very directed or structured, but, you know, happy enough as a happy enough about things. Not, not a, I wasn't a negative person, but I, I wasn't focused the way I am now. I certainly didn't spend time listening to folks who, who you have on your podcast and, and other people and, and really focusing on leading a well-structured life and a, and a life where I'm trying to engage with others as much as I do now. Yeah, so you've you've now got a a, a life of intention yes, uh, exactly. behind you know where whereas before you're we're just like going through the motion exactly. so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so you you you're in the aid station. You know they perform all of the surgeries, the the plastic surgeries, the recovery, and I would imagine that you you get sent back to like Walter Reed or something. Yeah. Well, what happened was, and, and I found this out in detail last year because last year I wrote a book about leadership, and in it I. As, as a researcher that I had the opportunity to interview my surgical team from Iraq. As it turns out, one of, the, one of them, uh, she's a Navy, Navy surgeon, she's married to a friend of mine from the Marines. And we didn't know that until just two years ago. So that was pretty incredible small world. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. really incredible. I said to my friend, like, you never asked your wife if she knew a lawyer who got shot in the face over there when she was there at the same time. But <laughs> it seemed like something he would ask. But anyway, um, so I, I interviewed them for for that, and so she described it. Up until that point, no one they no one had survived a gunshot wound like mine. Everyone had died, and so they were actually able to develop some protocols based on how they quickly were able to save me and what they did, which then they applied and helped other Marines uh, and soldiers as well. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I was evacuated uh, to the military hospital in Landstuhl, Germany, pretty quickly, uh, probably a day or two after I was shot. And then I was there for four days, so I had some had some stabilization surgeries and just trying to keep me steady. And then they flew me to the not well, what's now called Walter Reed, but at the time it was the Naval Hospital in Bethesda. So at what point? So you're you're in bed. You've got you're dealing with all of this like crazy chaos. So just in your body, just still shock, post traumatic stress. At what point do you suddenly make the connection, oh my gosh, I have this incredible gift, this incredible opportunity, and I need to do something with it? That's a, that's, that's a, a thoughtful question, Mike. I would say um, it definitely wasn't right away. Uh, and I, I struggled for a while. I mean, I, I was on... I, I recovered for about eight or nine months, and then I went back to work as a lawyer with the Department of Justice. And so definitely not during that time period. I was still trying to, I mean, my first surgery was 19 hours long. I lost most of my teeth. I've had now dozens of, two dozen surgeries. They've taken bones from my legs. They use and reconstruct my upper and lower jaw. So I had a lot to deal with. Um, as you mentioned, post-traumatic stress, I ended up going to counseling for about 18 months. 
for that. And so it was a long process, physically and mentally, just to quote unquote move on. But here I am 10 years later, and I'm still getting ready to have some more surgery on, on my mouth. So I'm not finished yet. But your question was, when did I start thinking I have a, I have a gift? And it wasn't for a while. I was terribly embarrassed about what had happened to me. I thought it was mission failure, getting injured and coming back to the States while my Marines and everyone else was still over there. So when I was in the hospital, I told my wife, Dahlia, and my family not to tell my or invite my friends there. I didn't want people to see me that way. I was so messed up. Uh, it wasn't until at least several years later where uh, I realized in talking to people that actually my recovery was inspirational to others and that it wasn't something to be embarrassed about. But the bottom line was I was so fortunate for for surviving, but really I was so fortunate that so many people along the way had reached out to help me, uh, individuals and organizations. And these are these include people who had never met me, never heard about me, but just heard what happened. And I realized, wow, People care about, uh, people really care about wounded warriors, no matter where they stand politically. And I can give back. And when I started, I, I kept working as a lawyer. Uh, ultimately, my last position as a lawyer was with the FBI on a counterterrorism team. And But while I was there, I, I was asked to start seeking at Marine Corps birthday balls and to different organizations, typically law enforcement or military, but not all of them. And it was only because people started asking me that that I realized, wow, I, I do have a lot to give back. And, and what I've, what the knowledge I've gained could help other people who are dealing with problems large and small. And so it started with that, Mike, and then eventually grew to now where I spent a lot of time seeing with corporations and, and universities. But uh, it started very small. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-275. 2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. You have an amazing TED talk that you gave, the title of which is You're Stronger Than You Think You Are. I'm just curious, is that something that you believed prior or leading up to this um, this incident? No. Probably not, because I never really been tested the way I was uh, after I was shot. And I hadn't met hundreds and hundreds of people whose stories I've now come to learn and had a chance to talk to about other folks who have overcome incredible uh, obstacles and adversity in life. And I talked about two of them in that TED Talk. One was a Vietnam vet who was shot down sent six years in Hanoi, who's a Medal of Honor recipient, who's an incredible man, Leo Thorsness, and, and the other was my broker here in New York for our apartment, who, who turns out has been through some horrific challenges in life, but came out on the other end being as an incredible woman and doing so much for our community. And so I just was never exposed 
to the challenges that I face after being injured or the incredible people who are around us every day. And that's why I really tried to hammer home that TED Talk was that, uh, yeah, my, I know my story might get some attention because it's with a war and, and all that, but there are other people who we walk by every day who are also doing amazing things. People have so much greatness inside of them. It's not even funny. And we've been um, kind of stuck in this way of going about our life, you know, accomplishing certain just tasks like, you know, answering the taskmaster, hammering nails, you know, and not really living with a great deal of intention that we don't recognize not only the greatness that's within us, but also the amazing things that people are doing around us, which leads kind of into my next question, which is, you know, I, I talked about the fact that you're going to be part of my series on courage. And many of us go through life with just a, a simple textbook understanding of courage. So how has your understanding of that word developed since your miraculous recovery? Hmm. I, I would say before I was injured, my definition of courage might have been something along the lines of doing the right thing even when no one's looking or standing up for yourself and others or something along those lines. But I think I think now is, um, and I don't have an exact definition, but it's along the lines of choosing to persevere in the face of uh, the toughest adversity and choosing uh, to take the tough road sometimes because I do think life is about choices or not making decisions is a choice. And I think typically there are easy ways to deal with issues and there are tougher ways. The tougher ways probably lead to much greater results. Um, but obviously, by definition, they're tougher. I think courage comes down to taking the time to understand what you believe in and what you stand for and then taking that road. That's that's a really powerful and uh, enlightened you know, understanding of that word. Words are really, really meaningful. Um, people don't pay attention to their meaning or the etymological origin of words enough. And so words really impact not only the effect that we have on the way that we lead, on the way that we interact with those that we love. They're really critical. And and it's it's important to have a proper understanding of the true meaning of words. So like courage literally means heart, to have heart. Um, it's the it's the Latin rooted word core. And so, like in like in uh, Wizard of Oz, with the yeah, you know, I mean, literally. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's kind of funny, but like that's that's really which we could just go on off on that for a second because here you have a lion, right? Who we all you know take it out of the fantasy world of Wizard of the Oz for a second and put it in the African plains. The lion is the king, you know, the beast, the most intimidating, the most. You know, and it's not even a matter of courage. The lion is confident. He is the the ruler of the plains, you know. And yet in this in this story, which is very much like our lives, this lion, this this creation that has great potential, has no courage. And that's all that he wants. He wants heart, you know, to, to be able to go out and do that. And and in this world, 
just speaking about the the word courage and the origin of of courage for a moment, we have the opportunity in our relationships with others and the way that we lead to either add to that heart by encouraging someone or to take from or steal from that heart by discouraging someone. And so I think just for myself, when I think about how I talk to my own my, in my own thought life, let alone how I communicate to other people. If I'm using words like I'm feeling discouraged, not only am I, you know, further compounding the problem that I'm facing because my, it, my subconscious really understands the true meaning of that word. But what if I said, what if I did something to someone where I discouraged them, right? Or, or I stole from them, you know, from their heart. I took a little bit of courage and we have no idea the compound effect that occurs afterwards, either when we encourage someone or discourage someone. So that's a little tangent, but uh, still relative to what we're we're talking about. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I do think um, over the last few years, especially, I've been much more cognizant of, of what I'm saying to people and the effect it may have on them. And that is definitely attributed to... Living a purposeful life and and being and that includes being aware of how people perceive you based on how you represent yourself. And I'm not talking about being fake and uh, being very calculating in the words you choose. But for instance, I had a lot of bad days after I was injured, and I know my injury is kind of on the extreme end of things. But we're all facing adversity at some point, and so now I'm much more empathetic to someone who you know, maybe kind of a jerk to me, uh, you know, in traffic or or the homeless person up the street who I've gotten to know or whoever it is, I'm, I'm much more, I, I believe I'm a much more compassionate person because I'm, I'm more thoughtful. And I think it gets down to heart and being aware that we're all here for a reason, as you said at the very beginning. And couldn't we all live much better lives if we focus on helping each other and not just plowing through life in an indirected way? You brought up a good point that that I often think about because you know there, we we all face our adversity at various levels, and as you mentioned, yours is on the extreme end. Um, someone who's fighting cancer is on the extreme end. Somebody who, you know, in terms of life or death, and then and then on the opposite end of the extreme, you have someone who might be facing bankruptcy or some sort of financial disaster, you know, and then in the middle, you have someone who's just, you know, got relationship drama, but it's it's all a matter of scale relative to where that person is. And I often find myself struggling with, you know, when, when I'm dealing with adversity and and then I see someone else going through something way more significant and challenging than what I'm facing. I often find myself kind of like belittling my my own adversity to a certain degree, saying something like, uh, you know, you have nothing to be concerned about compared to X, Y, and Z. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. What's what's your thoughts on that? Well, um, I've I've experienced that a number of times because when I go and talk to corporations or other audiences, I always hang out afterwards and talk to people individually, answer questions and, you know, maybe take pictures or, or whatever, sign books. And invariably, someone will say that, you know, I, I'm dealing with something that's nothing like what you went through, Justin. It's this. And I just stop them right there and say, look, 
you're dealing with your problem. That's your problem. It's in your face. It's significant to you. You know, I, I had the luxury of explaining to you for 15 minutes what I went through, you know, my getting shot in the recovery. But whatever you're facing is just as important to you as my recovery was to me. So let's get that out of your head. It's, it's, don't belittle the challenges you're facing and don't belittle the successes either. We, sh we should celebrate life, not just get through it. So I, I, I think that you're doing a disservice to yourself to minimize the challenges you're facing because I think if we do that and we psychologically don't embrace them and push through them to the extent that we could. Wow, that's really, really powerful um, advice. How has your new understanding and the way that you approach courage impacted the way that you filter the myriad opportunities that come across your desk today? Well, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur and as someone who is now receives offers to do things periodically, I, I have to be very cognizant of that. And in fact, Right now, um, I know conventional wisdom is to focus on one enterprise or one thing and do it really well. I'm not doing that. I'm involved with, you know, three or four um, lines of business I'm working on. I, a friend of mine and I started a nonprofit last year. I'm on the board of directors of a number of uh, nonprofit organizations. So I, I'm spread pretty thin. That being said, I do turn things down that don't fall in these lines that I've established now and have committed to. I do try. Someone says, hey, are you interested in doing this? Instead of just saying no, I, I, will, I will take a second to think who I know might be a good replacement or who might be interested in that. But I do think it's important to figure out what, what you want to work on, how you want to spend your time, which gets back to living a purpose-driven life and literally taking the time to sit down and write down what your goals are, short and long-term, what you want to spend your time on, what's realistic and what's not. Because time is our most precious asset, and if we're wasting it, well, it's obvious. We're just not spending time on the things that are important to us. One of my the favorite quotes that I pulled out from your book that was on your, your website uh, is, I've learned that through inner strength, and humility and a victorious spirit, we can overcome any obstacle. And the thing that jumped out on that page for me that like just struck me to the core and resonated with me is the phrase, a victorious spirit. I love it. How can we tap into that? Uh, well, it's a mindset for sure, and I think we all we all have the, the capacity, and I know you talk about this with, with your other guests as well, that uh, if we can change our mindset and change our level of consciousness, it's amazing how elevated we can be and how much we can accomplish. So uh, for me, a victorious spirit is about not being intimidated by problems that, that are in front of us or challenges we're facing, but more like okay, wow, this is this is interesting. This is something I didn't expect. How can I beat this? Uh, as opposed to, well, that didn't work. I, I guess I'm a failure. It's a, it's a mindset. And so I think all of us, it, it takes some time and it takes some dedication. Like anything that's important in life, like you don't become a black belt and cry because you want it to happen. You put the time in. And so same with changing your mindset and having a victorious uh, attitude uh, is about, Realizing, you know what, 
or almost anyone else who's done anything great dealt with these same challenges. Very few people were born uh, destined to greatness. I mean, some are, of course, but so many people in our country and around the world, we've heard so many stories that started with $10 in their pocket or listen, you know, like your podcast of Bernie Swain, they started in a, in a closet and you know, now they're the biggest seeking bureau in the world. And so there are a lot of those stories. And I think we just have to be okay with saying to ourselves, I can do that. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, you brought up you know, black belt, and, and my kids are in martial arts, and I I oh, think okay. about uh, so I I think about that process, and I think it's really uh, important because it is a process, and it's not you don't just step into the dojo and have your black belt and all the confidence in the world and ability. It's incredibly, especially for these kids, it's incredibly uncomfortable and nerve wracking and awkward. And I, and I love that they get that experience because then they get to see that following the process of their, of their master, that they are able to break a board without injuring themselves or, you know, kick higher than they ever thought they could possibly kick. And I'm just curious, do you, do you have a process that you follow to, to kind of engage or develop that victorious spirit? The closest thing I have to that is, well, I mean, I, I have a different mindset now than I used to. And so now when I, when I fall back on something, my mindset's at a much, my energy level's at a much higher level than it was years ago. So I'm fortunate in that regard. But that's because I set the time to think how fortunate I am and think, spend time thinking about all the people who have really helped me get to where I am today. That goes, that starts with my Marines in Iraq all the way to, you know, someone who answered an email this morning saying they helped me on my latest project. But the closest thing I have is, you know, every day I have a to-do list because the night before I will have the categories of things I'm working on and I have the long-term strategy I'm working towards listed, but also the immediate things I have to get done the next day so I don't waste time on email or, or other projects. I make sure I get the immediate things taken care of. But on there, I also have a, a gratitude list of three things that I'm grateful for. And sometimes, and I list those. And sometimes my wife and I talk about our own gratitude, things that we're grateful for before we go to sleep. And so that is something I started in the last year. And, and I enjoy that. And it helps me keep things in perspective. And sometimes I have to think, you know, maybe chasing a few minutes of what I'm grateful for. And, and that helps remind me of how fortunate I am. So it's powerful, powerful. If there's one thing that you want people to remember from our conversation today, what would it be? Well, you mentioned the title of the TED Talk is you're strong than you think you are. So I, I would say that, but I would, um, I guess refine it a little bit to say, take the time, be thoughtful about what you want to accomplish in life, and you will do it. Uh, and just as by means of explanation, I do think it's important. I read a book recently that you're probably familiar with, it's called Deep Work. And it's about creating time to send hours where you're just focusing on whatever that important project you're working on. And I think it's particularly important today where we're bombarded by emails and tasks and interruptions and things to do. So I, I think if you, if you take the time to identify what your goals are, you will accomplish them. 
Well, Justin, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I mean, this this episode, this conversation is a gift to me. It's a gift to my listeners. You are a gift to the world, and I, I look forward to continuing to stay in touch. And I, I really want to honor and thank you for your service to our country and uh, and your continued service to the world and it, it, for volunteering. I mean, it's 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 a courageous act to to step up and and volunteer to put yourself potentially in harm's way, which you ended up doing. So I want to really honor and appreciate you for that. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate what you're saying. And of course, I appreciate you having me on your on your podcast. But uh, the message you're spreading through it to so many is, is something we need uh, in today's age. So thank you for what you're doing as well. You are very welcome. How can my listeners connect with you, where should we send them? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, they can learn more about me on my website, which is justinconstantine.com, and there's a contact Justin button there. But really, uh, I do like uh, connecting with people on LinkedIn. I do other social media as well, of course, but LinkedIn is my favorite. So between that and my my website. What are you most excited about launching in the upcoming months ahead. <laughs> my, my wife would strangle you for asking that because I've been consumed with a product that I'm trying to finish up before Veterans Day. It's a desktop calendar, one of, the, one of those that, where you rip off every day of the year. And there, there are desktop calendars for cats and TV shows, but there isn't one for veterans. And so I've, I've created one. Every day, every day has a quote from a veteran, uh, has a picture of a monument, has some information about that veteran. Veteran. It also includes military spouses and caregivers and gold star parents. And these are from four star generals down to uh, uh, young, younger uh, enlisted uh, service members as well. So it's a tribute to our veterans. Part of the proceeds are going to three different veteran nonprofits. So I'm really excited about it. It's called Every Day is Veterans Day. And that will be available on my website as well. Oh, that's awesome! When's it? So I, I will I will be buying one of those uh, as soon as it's ready. My dad is a Vietnam vet. Oh, fantastic! I have a bunch of Vietnam vets uh, on there, including General Pace, who went on to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he was a lieutenant in Vietnam. But uh, Veterans Day is coming up uh, November 11th, so I hope to have it ready by then. So thank you. You are welcome. Well, thanks again, Justin, and I look forward to staying in touch with you and and uh, and watching our our impact ripple throughout the world. Excellent, thanks, Mike. Justin, thank you for being on the show today and for sharing your incredible story. I love the fact and totally believe that we can all overcome any obstacle by tapping into our inner strength and having a victorious spirit. If you missed any of the key points, we've got you covered at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 45. For all the key points and highlights of our conversation, you can also head to Facebook and and we'll have it all linked up there. And while you're at our website at theimpactentrepreneur.net, be sure to check out the Lawton Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them. They're an incredible group of people. Until next time, go make an impact.